What up, Third Street? If you do not know me, I am Pastor KT. I'm one of the co-pastors here at Third Street. And we are in a new series, uh, week two of this series, called Holy and Acceptable. And Roz hit it like the nail right on the head. First words of the choir session, you can have my heart. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. You can have my heart. Being holy and acceptable is a heart issue. And uh, this week, I have the pleasure of talking about treasures. And I wrestled with this pretty much until about 1 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning last night, because treasures can mean so many different things. We can create treasures in an earthly way and in a spiritual way in so many different ways. And one of the things that we hesitate in doing is giving God our heart. Because we've given our heart away so many times before. People have misused what we've given them. And now I question, if I give you everything, what will you do with it? Can I really trust you with my everything? Because your mind means so much. Your body means so much. But your heart is the one thing in your life that when it's broken... When it's broken, you don't really know who to go with. Go to, rather. I'm sorry. If you break your hand, you can go to dish. If you break something in your house, you, you, you know how to fix it. You know where to go. You can buy another one. But when your heart is broken, who do you go to? When I think of holy and I think of acceptable, for me, the type of person that I am, I naturally think of unholy. I naturally think of unacceptable. If something is holy and acceptable to God, then what is unholy and what is unacceptable? And when things are unholy and things are unacceptable, not how do I react to it, but what, what does God do? Because what we said in the scripture last week is you want to give something to God that is holy and acceptable. It is our reasonable service. It is, it is our living sacrifice. And it is pleasing unto the Lord. But when it's unholy and it's unacceptable. When it's not pleasing to the Lord, like I know what I feel like when I'm unholy and unacceptable, but how is God's posture with me when what I'm doing is unholy and unacceptable? What I don't want you to hear is that when you're unholy and unacceptable, that you are not saved. That's not what we're talking about today. We're not talking about salvation. What we are talking about is doing something that is refreshing to God. There's three types of people that I feel like I'm going to be talking to today. And I want us to take the negative connotation away from the story that I'm going to bring up today. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 37. This is the story of the Good Samaritan. And I feel like when we when we preach and we teach and we talk about the story of the Good Samaritan, we, we start to categorize these people as good people and bad people. The priest and the Levite being the bad people. The good Samaritan literally gets the word good. So you, you can understand who the good person is. And then you just have this one person who's just broken, who's bruised, who's beaten, who's left without, who's left half dead. And, 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 and God 
kind of assured me that when I spoke today, I would be talking to three types of people. I would be talking to the person that's moving. I would be talking to the person that's helping. And I would be talking to the person that's broken. So as I speak, as I talk, I want you to kind of like see where do you where do you reside right now? Are you the person that's moving? Moving according to the word. That's what the priest and the Levite were doing. That's why I said they weren't bad people. The priest and the Levite, according to the customs, were doing exactly what the law said that they should. I would say that they were living the word, but they wasn't they weren't walking in it. They weren't loving in it. The Good Samaritan, also not bad, but going against every custom and everything that his culture would say he should be doing. And then, of course, the person who was robbed, broken, beaten, left in a posture that he is half dead. Before I get to the scripture, I want to talk about another scripture, and it it, it lines up with what we're talking about today, and that's the treasure. It's Matthew 6, 19 through 21. It says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. And it says the reason why is because if you store it up, moth, rust, they can destroy it. Thieves can break in and they can steal it. It says, but if you're going to store up treasures for yourself, do so with things that are heavenly. Because moth and rust cannot destroy it. Thieves cannot break in and destroy it. I mean, uh, thieves cannot uh, break in and steal it. And what it made me question is, are you telling me that I'm allowed to have a treasure? Because he didn't say you cannot have a treasure here on earth. He didn't say that you cannot want earthly things. He said, do not store up. Do not deposit for the sake of keeping it. But do not store it doesn't mean that you cannot have it. Doesn't mean that you cannot strive for it. So what happens when it goes from something that I just want to something that I'm storing? Why is the earthly thing so separate from the spiritual thing? And the reason why is because the earthly thing can you can you you can you can count. You can get to a place to where you can see it leaving. You can see it rusting. You, you, can, you can covet it because your expectation is that other people want it, that someone might actually break in, steal it from you, and you have it no more. What is it in your life that you hold on to so tightly because you know that if this leaves, it's going to be very difficult for you to get it back? That this is not something that is infinite, but it's something that can be lost and you never get it again, and you don't even trust God to give it back to you. And what is the thing that, 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 that God gives that's infinite, that you don't worry about when you have it? Because truly what I want to talk to you about today when I say that it's a hard issue is, is exactly what, um, what uh, I won't say that. It's about giving. What I want to talk to you today about is giving, sacrificing, giving of yourself. Because when you choose the earthly treasure, what you end up eventually doing is trying to justify why the earthly treasure is a good thing. So in Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through what I believe is 37, it says, then an expert in the law stood up to test him. When it says him, it's talking about Jesus saying, teacher. 
what must I do to inherit eternal life? It's not an evil thing that he was asking uh, Jesus. It's not an evil thing that he wanted. He wanted eternal life. Jesus' response was, what is written in the law? How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus responds, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, well, who was my neighbor? Jesus took up the question and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, they beat him up, they fled, and they left him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at this place, saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan on his journey came up to him, and when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him, he bandaged his wounds, poured olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him into an inn, and he took care of him. The Bible says the next day, he took out two denarii. He gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. When I come back, when I return, it says in, in, the, uh, in the King James Version, I believe. The only other time that this word return is used in the Greek is when Jesus uses another parable and he's talking about how he leaves something for a deposit and he comes back to receive that which he left. This is the type of friend that we need. Not only will I give you from what I have, but I'm not going to expect that what I gave you is enough forever. But I actually have a plan to come back and see if what I did for you the first time has got you good enough, because if not, I got more for what you need. Which of the three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers, the one who showed mercy to him, he said. Then Jesus told him, go and do the same. Thank you for the reading of your word, Lord. So step one, point one that I have for you today is what you're walking toward more important than what you're walking by. This is for the person who's moving. Can I be honest with you for a second? It's hard loving. If what you love means you got to lose. It's hard to love something knowing that what I treasure I'm going to have to lose when I love you. When I read the scripture, I recognize that the guy said many things, but he only wanted to justify one. He said, what do I, what do I have to do to get into heaven? Jesus says, well, what do, you, what do you see? What have you read? How do you feel? He says, I got to love God with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, with all my strength, with all my possessions. And I got to love my neighbor as I love myself. And he says, that's exactly what you got to do. You're exactly right. But the dude knew he didn't love God with all his heart. He knew he didn't love God with all his strength, with all his mind. All of the stuff that involved God, he knew he did not do. If he did know that he did that, then he would have justified himself in those things as well. But the only thing that he felt like he could hang his hat on was the fact that I love my neighbor as I love myself. 
Culturally, what that meant was he loved other Jews. His neighbor was not the person who lived next to him. It wasn't the person who lived across the street from him. It was the person who was able to speak the same exact language as him. I need you to stick with me when I say that. When he thought of the person that he was supposed to love, he was thinking about the person who looks like him, the person who acts like him, the person who talks like him, the person it's easy for me to actually speak with, the person who is easy for me to actually love. Anybody who was not in that category, he was not thinking about at all. I need you to understand that because it's going to actually connect with my story that I tell later. So he didn't love the way that God was thinking. And again, that's the struggle. I have a dog. I don't know if anybody was here the last time I told my dog story, but it was pretty bad. I had some people come up and tell me they don't like my dad. No, no, none of them said like I'm praying for him. They was just like, yeah, I just want you to know I don't like him. My dad did some evil things to dogs. And within the last two months, I actually now have a dog. Her name is Montana. I'm a girl dog dad. Love my dog. She's about, she's about eight pounds right now, kicking it. She has a ball. I got a gang. We meet on Tuesdays and Thursdays at PetSmart. <laughs> we have a ball together looking for harnesses and leashes and the snacks that we want to give our dog. What happened recently with Montana is uh, she pooped in the middle of the night. I figured it out by the smell. Now, Montana has slept in our bed or in our room every single night since we've gotten her. Every single night without fail. And this one particular night, as I said, I woke up to the smell of her poop. And when I got up and I looked, it was nasty. It was really bad. So I picked her up and I took her downstairs all the way into our basement and I put her in her playpen. Now, her playpen is nice. It's better than any bedroom I ever had growing up as a child. It has carpet, it's, she got a couch, she got a bed, she got her toys in there, it's two flat screen TVs in there, and when I put her in there, I always put on like Puppy Pals or Secret Life of Pets 2. Like I always make sure that she's entertained while she's in there. So I took her downstairs, I put her in her playpen, I went all the way back upstairs, I cleaned up after her. After I cleaned up after her, I got in my bed. But I could hear her crying downstairs, whimpering. So I went all the way back downstairs, I went close to her cage, and I was like, shut up, be quiet. You're not going back upstairs. Shouldn't have did what you did. So then I left, I went all the way back upstairs, I tried to go to sleep, but I could still hear her crying. So I came all the way back downstairs. I disciplined her again. I walked to the top of our steps from our basement. I closed the door. I went back upstairs and I tried to go to sleep. But I could still hear her crying. So then I walked all the way back downstairs. I disciplined her again. Verbal lashing. Went back upstairs, closed the door, went upstairs to my room, closed my door. Tried to go to sleep. Now I can't hear her anymore. But now I'm worried. Is she okay? Is she trying to get out? Is she, is she choking herself on the core? Like, is she choking on the food? I need to know that she's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But when I go downstairs and I open my door, I recognize that she's still crying. And I don't get it because everything that she has in the basement is everything that she needs. And I don't understand why she's still crying because when I'm downstairs with her in the basement and she's got all of her toys and her couch and her TV and we're watching Secret Life of Pets and she's in her playpen, she's cool. But as soon as I go upstairs and she's left downstairs, all of a sudden she's crying and that's when it hit me. All those things mean nothing to her if she's not with the father. I got two points that I want to make with point number one. What I learned about this form of punishment is there's no amount of things that can give you someone, give you something that makes up from separation with the father. And the second thing that I learned is that you can become really selfish with someone that you love when the love that you have for something else or someone else means you have to actually lose something yourself. Why was I actually disciplining her? This is a puppy that we just got in September. She was born in July. She's been with us at this point for three weeks. I'm not really upset that she pooped. I'm upset that she woke me up. I'm upset that now I have to choose to love you over my sleep. Have you ever been in a situation to where someone needs your love, but in order for me to love you, I got to lose something myself? So now I'm actually going to discipline you and separate you from myself because what you're asking me to do actually takes away from the thing that I love. I can't lose sleep and love you. I can't lose patience and love you. I can't lose my freedom and love you. It doesn't matter that you don't know any better. It doesn't matter that you are a rookie at this. It doesn't matter even that I'm the one that's supposed to be helping you and train you in this thing. How am I going to be mad at Montana when I'm the one that's supposed to be potty training her? Some of us have been given the actual assignment of potty training people, keeping them away from making a mess, and they keep coming to us saying, dude, I keep making this mess. And we're upset with them because they are actually taking away from other things that we love. The issue is the fact not that you're hurt and you're broken and you're half dead. It's the fact that I'm actually looking at something that I'm trying to pass by. I'm trying to pass by you sitting right here. It has nothing to do with my heart. I love you. But I got another thing that I'm trying to do as well. And the only way that I can get to that thing is if I don't keep stopping for you. This is where the priest and the Levite were. They weren't bad people. They were good people. They were following what the Bible said that they should be doing. But sometimes living by the word and not loving by the word will get you caught up to a place to where you're not being holy and acceptable with your heart. Not holy and acceptable with your actions, but holy and acceptable with your heart. Because what does God really want us to do? He wants us to be like him. How many times has God left you on the side of the road and kept walking by? I would say never. What we've done is we've created treasures in our life. Earthly things that make us believe that this is more important than someone else. Not something else, but me striving for this is more important than you. It's more important than your brokenness. It's more important than what you're going through because I can't make it to my mountaintop. 
I can't make it to this earthly thing that I'm striving for because I'm locked in. I worked hard to get to this place to where this is right here. You know how many years of school? How many notes? How many times I prayed to God to give me this specific thing and now I've created goals. I've put together a timeline. I'm about to actually get the thing that I told God I wanted and I know it's mine. And everything that you're asking me to do is keeping me off the focus of the thing that I want for myself. So I apologize for passing you by. I apologize for leaving you broken, half dead, without. Have you created a space to where you were supposed to want something a la carte and you turned it into the main course meal? And now you want that thing more than you want what God actually wants for you because that's what you want for yourself. I don't want to keep dwelling on it, but I feel like there's some passerbyers in here. There's some people who've created treasures. There's some people who've took people to the basement and said, I need to get far away from you as possible so I can't hear your cry. That's what they were doing. This person was half dead. They wasn't dead. What kind of noises would you be making if you were half dead? Beat up, broken, left for dead. Everything that you have has been taken away from you. Every time you hear a footstep, you're going to cry out. Every time you think there's a shadow walking past you, you're going to cry out. And the priest and the Levite couldn't handle it the same way I couldn't handle it, the way I couldn't hear Montana, because I love you. It's not like I'm some atheist who doesn't believe in hope and doesn't believe in God. We're talking about believers who love this person, but just not more than what I see. So I'm passing by you because of what I see, not because I don't hear you. And I got across the street because I got a conscience. I can't literally walk past your half dead body. I can't literally walk past you having no peace. I can't literally walk past you having no hope. I'm not that bad of a human. So the only way that I can deal with myself is I got to cross the street on your problem. I got to get as far away as possible from the the screams and the moans and the tears that I literally hear from you. I'll literally go into my room and close both doors so I don't have to hear it anymore. But not because I don't love you, but because I love me more. If you're the broken person, hear that. Forget the person who's passing by. We're going to move past that step. If you're the broken person and you keep wondering, why do they keep doing what they're doing? It's not that they don't love you. It's that they love them more. Can you go there with me for a second? Anybody here been in a space where you were selfish? And I love you more than anybody else in the world but me. And I don't mean to hurt you. I just love me. Mm. Let me move on. When loving you is convenient. Our love got an if in it. Our love got a win in it. When you do, then I will. If you do, then I will. If my wife say no after 9 o'clock, my love change. That's real talk. 
Those seven days that she came, my love changed. Because there's no if, there's no when. We got a contract. If I work 40 hours, I'm supposed to get paid. Is that godly love? Is that a I'll sacrifice for you even when you don't deserve it love? Is that a I lay down my life even while you're in the midst of your sins type of love? Agape? A love feast? A love that cannot stop? A love that loves much? A love that I know that you love them. They know that you love me by the way that you love them type of love. How will I know? How will they know that you are of me? Because of the way that you what? Not just love, though. Let's not blanket that word. Agape. He said agape right there. When he said, Peter, do you love me more than these? Agape. Are you loving me in a way that you're willing to sacrifice from yourself? That you're willing to allow for them to carry you to the place that you die? Agape. We're stuck in the other loves, the fellatio, the Philadelphia, you know, how I say it, yo. I'm going to give you the mic and let you say it. It's like four other loves. We stuck in those loves. Those loves are real temporal. Only Chad and Dio know those four loves. Anybody else want to raise their hand and come up here and tell me? I didn't think so. They're the only ones that know Greek and Hebrew in here. Let's move on. I had y'all here forever. We, the Browns playing a little bit. <laughs> Step two. How will they know that you love me? I asked myself, literally, this morning, what's the barrier? What's the wall that I can't climb? What's keeping me distracted from being the Good Samaritan? Because the Good Samaritan was on his way somewhere as well. All these people is traveling. Nobody traveled during this period of time unless you had somewhere to be. This wasn't back in the day where, like, you could just be like, man, I'm bored. I'm going to hop in the car and just drive around the city. Like, you had to do a lot to travel, especially if you had a family. You got to pack up everything, the couch, the TV, the dog, the kids. Like you had to pack up everything to travel. Why? Because as the scripture says earlier, if you had an earthly treasure, there was always somebody waiting to break in and steal. So nobody just left their tent full of their stuff. You had to take everything with you every time you left and went somewhere. Otherwise, your earthly treasure would be gone when you got back. So what is it that keeps us away from getting to the spiritual treasure. Got to tell you another story. Me and my wife went to Myrtle Beach. Amazing, amazing trip. It was our 15-year anniversary. And we asked for a Volkswagen. Now, when I say we asked for a Volkswagen, you know dang well who asked for a Volkswagen at Myrtle Beach. Definitely wasn't me. (laughs) Thankful to the Lord, I got a 2023 Dodge Charger because the Volkswagen wasn't ready. So here I go. Don't be mad. Don't be mad. (laughs) Here I go cruising through Myrtle Beach, 75 and a 25 all week. And eventually, whether she was scared or she just wanted to drive the Charger, she said, babe, can I drive? I said, of course. Where do you want to go? She said, let's go to cookout. 
If you've never been to cookout, well, no, no, let me not ask that. If you have been to cookout, we're going to have a meeting after church. And me and everybody that's been to church cookout, we're going to put some money in. We're going to bring a cookout to Canton. Let's, let's, let's get this business going. Generational wealth, right? So when we get to cookout, if anybody uh, has ever been to a cookout, it's, it's more of a southern place. And you don't know if they like they selling drugs in the side or what, because all of the cookout windows is like super dark tent. So you don't know if you can go in or if you can't. So when we get there, we like, I don't know if it's open or not. And she said, well, let's just go through the drive through. So what did I say? No. Of course I said no. Of course I'm going to disagree with her when she's the one with all the knowledge and wisdom. So I say, let's actually pull in right here. And she said, no, I should, I should back in right here. And I said, no, baby, it's easier for you to just pull in right there. So, of course, she didn't listen to me. I mean, listen to herself. She listened to me, and she pulled in. Soon as she pulled in, Dre, all I heard was, I said, hold up. Don't do anything. Back in reverse. She puts the car in park. I get out. I walk around. Now, if you know anything about cars, there's actually an undergird. Underneath your car, it's supposed to keep like things from popping up and putting a hole in your muffler or something like that. That whole thing had flipped from underneath the car and it's now sitting in front of our car and it's hanging on by two bolts. <laughs> this is on Sunday. Columbus Day is on Monday. Nobody's open. We call like 38 people. I walked to Shell gas station. I walked to the Family Dollar. I walked to the Dollar General. I walked to the Piggly Wiggly. I walked all the way back dang near to our hotel looking for some pliers so I can get these bolts off so that I can take this piece off and put it in the trunk. Couldn't get it. No matter how far I walked, no matter who it is that I talked to, nobody would help me. Now, this is where we go back to the beginning when I was talking about people who think that they love their neighbor. Everybody that I talked to spoke English. Hey, I'm from Ohio. Me and my wife on our 15-year anniversary. All I need you to do is help me get this car thing off so we can enjoy the rest of our vacation. Oh, man, I can't help you. Oh, my bad, fam. I ain't got no pliers. Some of these people had Myrtle Beach plates, which means more than likely they just lived a couple minutes away. Nobody thought to themselves, man, this dude is on his 15th year anniversary. Let me go around the corner real quick and get him some pliers so him and his wife can enjoy themselves. They treated me like I was the Good Samaritan. Not like I was their neighbor, but I guarantee you if I would ask those people, do you love God with all your heart? Do you love him with all your mind and your strength and your soul? Those people would have jumped up like, yeah, you a Christian too? High five and all that type of stuff. But when I said I need your help, when I said I'm broken and my wife is back here crying because it's our anniversary and we're stranded and she feels bad because she feels like it's all her fault, nobody would help. Eventually, we got one gentleman to say, I'm 15 minutes away. I can't come get you because I'm working on this car. But if you drive over here, I got you faded. We can't drive this, fam. The piece from under the car is no longer under the car. It's on the other side. As soon as we move it, all you hear is scrapes and, 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 and it looks like it's about to catch on fire. I can't help you with that, but if you get here, I help you. So what do I do? I drive it. I drive like 10, 15 miles per hour. It took forever for us to get there, but we got there eventually. We get there. I knock on the door. He don't answer. Call the number back. He don't answer. I knock on the door. I walk around the back. 
I called the phone. He don't answer. Now we're no longer in Myrtle Beach. Gun store, liquor store, gun store, liquor store, liquor store, gun store. I don't know where we at, Dio, but it don't look safe. It does not look safe. And it's people walking by, looking at us like, dang, what happened to your car? Eventually, this Venezuelan couple comes up. She don't speak a lick of English. Her language is the barrier. Remember what I said earlier about the people who thought that their neighbor was the one that actually spoke the same language. But this woman has no clue what I'm saying. I have no clue what she's saying, but all she wants to do is help. And she has her husband with her. This dude looked real sketchy, Brad. She kept speaking in what I believe to be Spanish. He didn't say nothing. He just kept walking around my car like this. So you know what I thought. I'm going to have to knock this dude out. <laughs> I'm sizing him up. I'm sizing him up, Batty. I'm going to have to knock this dude out because they're trying to rob us. So she keeps saying, mechanical, mechanical, mechanical. And I'm like, oh, you the people that I called. So you the one that lives like you right here. Like, yeah, I'm here for you. And she's like, no, 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 no. Mechanical, mechanical. So eventually what she does is she flips her phone out and she goes to the English Spanish translation. And she says, my husband is a mechanic. This place is like they sell drugs. You don't want to be here. So the place that you actually came to is a horrible place. And it's actually a blessing that they didn't open the door because they probably would have robbed you. But we can help you because my husband is a mechanic. How many times have you used language as a barrier? And for that reason alone, you didn't help. Forget the people that actually spoke the same exact language as me who didn't help. This lady did not allow for any barrier to be the reason why she wouldn't help me. What kind of love is that? It's agape. It's a, I'll sacrifice my time. These people wasn't driving by and stopped. They was walking in a horrible neighborhood. And I'm sure when I get to the point of the story that talks about what they were actually, matter of fact, let's get there. Let's get there right now. Because I feel like I've been up here for a while. Step three. What if? What if God asked you to give from that space? I look at the Good Samaritan and I say to myself, the Good Samaritan is in a perfect place to give. This dude was walking by, and it doesn't say that he had to walk to the Piggly Wiggly. He didn't have to walk to the Dollar General. He didn't have to walk to the, uh, to the Shell gas station. It said everything that the Jewish person need, he had already. He had the oil. He had the olive. He had the money. He had the, so the horse or whatever it was, camel, whatever it was that he was riding, that he was able to put the person on. Everything that he needed as the broken person, this person actually had already. Some of us think that we've been doing something because we've been given from what we already have. But my question for you today is, can you give from the space that you don't? This couple, as I'm talking to her and I'm trying to figure out what's going on, let me just tell the whole story. So the dude keeps walking around. Eventually he walks off and it's this tall grass over here. And he starts going down in the grass. And I said, it's a plan. They're about to rob us. I ain't got no gun. All I got is these fists. And I'm going to give him these paws if he come back over here. <laughs> he 
comes back with all his wood. He put the wood on the ground. He starts doing something. Then he steps back and he's like, and I'm like, use the app. I don't know what you're asking me. Use the app. So he pulls out the app and he says, pull up. It's a ramp. I said, come on, fam. That's some wood. That's some wood blocks. I see you pull it out from the grass. That ain't no ramp. But what else can I do? So I pull up. It's a ramp. He built a ramp from some box that he found in some grass. It was my ram in the bush. It was my ramp. It was my ramp in the bush. So as I get up on the ramp, he pushes the thing underneath and he starts pointing at my kicks. Now, for anybody who knows me, I have a nice, a nice little kicks collection. And this is my 15th anniversary, so you know I got the J's on. And he likes shoes, shoes. Nah, fam, I know you helped me, but you ain't getting my kicks. No, no, no. Go to the app. I give you cash app. You got cash app? I give you some money, but you're not getting my shoes. He said, no, shoes, shoes, shoes. I said, no. <laughs> no, no shoes. No shoes. Stop saying shoes. Say something else. He says, shoes. He takes his shoestring off. And I'm like, no, I don't wear that size. I don't, we're not, we're not trading. He takes his other shoestring off. He takes a lighter and he starts lighting up his shoestring. I'm like, this is a ritual. <laughs> I don't know what this dude is doing. He gets underneath my car and he starts to fix it with his shoestrings. Not only does this dude build a ramp, but he took the shoes off his own shoe and he fixed my car. As he's doing it, I'm looking at the wife and this is where the story's gonna make me cry. Her paperwork said Homeland Security. They were illegal immigrants. They were summoned to court that day. They had just found out that they were not going to be allowed to stay in America anymore. Right when God put them in a situation to where what they treasured the most was going to be taken away, they stopped for a stranger on the side of the road and helped them. Agape, sacrifice from a place I don't have anything. Everything that I've ever wanted, the, 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 the sacrifice, the goals, the guidelines, the rules that I set for myself to be able to leave a country and come to another country. They took it all away from me an hour ago. And here I am willing to give everything else that I have. What are you willing to give? Not the good Samaritan, but the person who's broken. Just because you're broken doesn't mean you got to saw and sit in your pity. You're still in a place to give. Half dead on the side of the road telling you that you can't stay in the country no more doesn't mean that you can't give. This person showed me what love is. What love is. What God is asking us to do. It don't matter if you don't get your way. It don't matter if everything's going wrong. Will that be your reason and the excuse that you use to keep walking past? She pulled out her phone. She went to the internet. She went to a picture. She showed it to me. It was a picture of a Budweiser. She said, two. Give me two. <laughs> so I get you 16. Get you a whole pack. I don't know exactly what's happening with that family right now. But if that story is able to help you give, sacrifice, 
the person on the side of the road, you, you don't know what they're going through too. We were able to actually love on that family, give them a ride back to their house. She was a teacher. He was a mechanic. I'm sure they got drunk that night. It's probably not the way I should end this sermon, but <laughs> if you're leaning on your own understanding, if you're leaning on your own power, what you'll say to yourself is, I don't have enough to help them. Yeah, even though I'm a mechanic, how can I help them? I can't just fix it with my hands. But God's got a ramp in the bush. God has given you from within everything that you need to help every single person that you, if you're thinking to yourself that you can't help them, then you're absolutely right. But if you're thinking to yourself that I can help them through the power that God has, that is the treasure that is holy and acceptable to God. When you're willing to give, no matter what it takes. Amen? Bless up.